who are the top scorers in the 2022 NBA draft class? And who are the guys that can go get you a bucket at the end of the shot clock? Find out here on the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. Yo, yo, what is up? What is up? You are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. This is your daily NBA Draft Podcast. I am Rafael Barlow, the Director of Scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies.com. I've made a name for myself as the guy that knows the international prospects, but my co-host, Leif Tuling, he's known as the grinder because he will tell you he spends more time watching college basketball film than anyone else. And today we're going to break down some of the top shot makers in today's class. But before I get into that, today's episode is brought to you by Arcade One Up. Locked On is partnering with Arcade One Up to give away three free NBA Jam Shack machines. So stay tuned later in the show to find out how you can enter. All right, we are just seven days away from the NBA draft. Leaf, are you ready for what could be a crazy draft night? I'm excited. I, I I mean, we don't even know who's going to go number one. Most of the time we do. And I think I know for myself uh, personally, the last few days I've been getting attacked for my big board saying, saying it's like the magic. I don't like who they're going to take and all this stuff. So fan bases are going to have a crazy day. And I think we're as people who are draft people, we're going to have a crazy day covering it. Yeah. The fans are going to go from attacking us to their teams. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. You're starting to hear some rumblings. Chet could go number one. Starting to hear more rumors that the Thunder really like Jaden Ivey. It's kind of tough to believe what is what and what is kind of smokescreen. All right, but let's talk about the top scores in this class. Now, I'll go first, and I guess it's pretty simple for me. If you've been listening to the podcast, you probably know who I'm going to say is the top bucket getter the guy who I feel the most comfortable with in this class when it comes to scoring and that is Paolo Vancaro again 6'10 250 pounds the score inside outside shot over 40 percent from three in the NCAA tournament I think people are overlooking it how many guys are 6'10 can post up can create off the dribble comfortable shooting mid-range Jay respectable shooter from three and can pass that's why Vancaro is my number one bucket getter. Who do you have on your list? My number one is the same. I, I think there's no coincidence that we each have a number one on our big boards and he's our top scorer. Um, I think it's for all the reasons you mentioned. I think he's only going to develop more as a passer, which is going to help him as a scorer too, because then teams will fear that. And sometimes they say, well, we don't want to double Nikola Jokic. And I'm not comparing them as passers. Jokic is an unbelievable passer, but that allows Jokic to score more. And I think the same thing applies with Pancaro because then he'll get more single coverage and he's a beast uh, in the mid post and, and everywhere else. So that's my number one. My number two score is Jaden Ivey. Uh, I think the ability that he has to just go one to a hundred so fast, uh, zero to 60 gets to the rim at will gets the free throw line. Um, and I think he's going to get stronger and develop an intermediate game as his shot gets better. And I think he's got a clear pathway to being a 20 plus point score pretty early on in his career. Yeah. If he goes number two, I, I don't think anybody should be too surprised. Even though, you know, you may feel like 
the last two MVPs were bigs and the top three players in this draft are bigs. I still think it is a guard driven league and imagine Ivy with space. That's something he didn't have at, at Purdue, but you give him NBA spacing and he's so fast that he doesn't even need a pick. He can beat his man, whether it's a wing or a guard, he can beat his man off the dribble straight up. He doesn't necessarily need a screen. And then I think he's even more dangerous if you get him on a screen and he's matched up against a big. And I'm just visioning him just putting tremendous pressure on the rim and someone that just just makes defenses struggle with, with containing him. So I, I agree there. Who is next on your list as far as top scores in this draft and i think this is where a divide happens it, to me it's if we're ranking who i think might score the most points in the nba i i probably say like out behind those two is jabari smith um, i think that he can score 22 a game in his prime for a number of years but i don't think he's the next best individual creation of scoring uh creator of scoring so i, I would i would put jabari smith as my third best score and the way he's going to score in the NBA is going to be a lot of pick and pop catch and shoot some face ups and shoot over defenders. And I think he's gonna be really efficient, but I don't think like he's as creative of a score. Like we think of scores, uh, oftentimes it's, it's like the six men prototype or, or guys like Chris Middleton that isolate and, and you're like, wow, this guy's just got a knack for scoring. I don't think that's necessarily the way Juari scores, but I think he scores 20, uh, 20 plus points per game. A uh, number of years in his career, so that would be my number three in terms of uh, ranked NBA scoring ability. See, I, I tend to lean towards the shot makers, the guys that's five seconds left on the shot clock, clear out. We we need one, and so I, I lean towards that. Who is your the next guy on your list that you feel like could be like an isolation score or a guy that you can give the ball to, whether it's late in the game, late in shot clocks, or if the defense takes away all of your options and you just need somebody that can score one-on-one who's next on your list. I think, I think this is going to be one that you may not agree with. I'm going to go with Jaden Hardy. I, okay. I think that Jaden Hardy, if everything clicks for him and, and I, we, we talked about this last time about how I think he earned the opportunity to be the, the, the go-to guy for the G league team. And, and he's been thrust under that spotlight and he's got this creative ability in his game that I don't think scoring and creating space will be an adjustment for him. And I think his shooting splits are only going to get better with time and especially with NBA spacing. So I think he, he's a potential 20 a game score. That's not going to be drafted as if they expect him to be a 20 a game score. Yeah. Were you shocked to see that as of the time we're recording, he doesn't have a green room invite. I'm not stunned. I, I thought he'd be, he'd have a chance. I, I think he had as good a chance as a guy like Jalen Williams or Marjan Bochamp. Um, but uh, but I'm not stunned. I'll give a sneak preview what's coming out on one of my NBA Big Board articles that should drop by the time this airs or later on on Thursday. And I was speaking to someone that's very connected in, in the NBA world, and we talked about Hardy. And he kind of made a point to me, and I, I've talked about it briefly, but not to this extent. He believes... Hardy cost himself $20 million by playing in the G League this year. And do you agree with that assessment? Maybe in that first contract. Uh, 
I, I think if he falls into a good system, he can he can get one of those quick lower round, lower pay, and then he he gets a protected uh, free agent, a restricted free agent. And he makes himself some bank sooner. Um, but I think I agree with the, the the point of that. If he were not to play in the G League, he likely would have been a top ten pick. Yeah, and that's what he was saying. He went to the G League, and it was like the the short term money that whatever he got from the G League does not equal up to the money that he lost because he was so highly regarded. And even though he led the G League team in scoring, it didn't do anything for his stock. And so you um, seem to be on the belief that, you know, the same reasons why people were high on him as a top 10 pick coming into the season, you, you believe that is still there despite the lack of efficiency. And I, and I can see it. I mean, he is... He's definitely on my short list at, from one of the top shot creators or shot makers in this draft. Now, I've seen the comparisons to Cam Thomas, but he does have the offensive creativity that I like. I probably would like to see him probably get to the rim just a little bit more. I, I think that he can be predictable. But one of the things I really like about him is the confidence in his shot. And sometimes you can say it's irrational confidence because even if he's having a rough shooting day, he's still confident enough to let it fly. So I I, I don't disagree with it. I think that as far as his upside as being a bucket getter, I think the sky is, is the limit. All right, before we get into the next segment, I want to talk to the audience about Built Bar. Leaf, have you had a chance to have one of the Built Bar mud pies? Now, if you haven't, you know our guys at Built are always coming out with amazing flavors. Well, this time, Built has truly outdone themselves with the new mud pie flavor. And for the first time ever, Built is introducing this new mud pie flavor in both mud pie bar and mud pie puff. Not sure what the mud pie tastes like? Well, if you're a chocolate fan, you better sit down for this. This new mud pie bar is rich whipped cream and chocolate mousse smothered with 100% real chocolate and topped with cookies and cream crumble. Now you gotta try the mud pie as soon as possible and you need to hurry because the mud pie bar and the mud pie puff are only available for a limited time. Visit built.com to taste the deliciousness for yourself. Now, if you're not convinced, luckily we have saved the best for last and it's actually good for you. No, honestly, it is. I know it sounds kind of, Sweet, but all built products are low calorie, high protein, and low sugar. The mud pie is packed with 16 grams of protein and only 150 calories and eight grams of sugar. It's like your mom baked the most delicious, creamy chocolate mud pie and wrapped it up just for you. And the mud pie bars and puffs are available at built.com right now. They're going fast because they're delicious. And like all built bars, they are covered with 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy, and more importantly, they're tasty. Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe it's more important that it's healthy than tasty. Either way, you get what I'm coming from. What's great about Built.com is that their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You're going to love the new Mud Pie Built Bar and the Built Puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late-night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than your candy bar. Chocolate mousse, whipped cream, cookies and cream crumble. Stop drooling. Get to Built.com to order your box of mud pie bars and puffs right now. 
You will not regret it. Go to built.com. And if you use the promo code LOCKED15, you will get 15% off of your order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off of your next order. All right, shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. And we have an important favor to ask you. We've put together a survey so we can learn more about our listeners like you and make sure that your favorite Locked On podcasts get better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about the Locked On podcast. Go to the LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take long, and everyone that completes the survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey, and thank you for your help. All right, once again, you are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. I'm Rafael Barlow. My co-host is Leif Chuling. All right, who is next on your top shot makers, bucket getter, scorers, whatever you want to call them? I'm torn here, so I'll, I'll give you two, and I, I, I and if you want to if you want to pick which one you think is better, we can go with him because I'm like hey, I'm splitting hairs here. I got our a guy we talk about a lot, Blake Wesley and Malachi Branham, two two freshmen that I think are really going to be good scores uh, once they reach the NBA, and and they may develop at different paces, but uh, th- those are the two. And, and which one which one are you f- favoring as the better score? It's probably a bad time to ask me that question. <laughs> simply because I just spoke with someone that works in player development for a team that Brandon worked out for. And I was asking him, how did the workouts go? Just naming the players. And he was saying that Brandon can shoot. He said he was still very reluctant to shoot NBA threes in live action during their workouts. And he had mentioned that he had to pull them to the side and say, look, man, you can shoot. You got to let this thing fly. And he said he likes how he's able to get to a spot. He liked his confidence, but he said that for whatever reasons, he just prefers to get to the middle of the floor and shoot the pull-up jumper as opposed to knocking down open shots. So I literally just heard that probably an hour before recording. So I could be a little, a little biased because I think that if he continues to be reluctant to shoot, especially in this analytics friendly NBA maybe the if he goes to the wrong team that could hurt him because they may not want him shooting the mid-range shot which in my opinion is his bread and butter that's like his favorite shot and they may ask him to shoot a lot more threes which he may not be comfortable with so I, I get the upside there but I also like Blake Wesley a lot I think Wesley has the the ability to be a three-level score in the NBA even though the numbers may not really support it a lot based off of the, the numbers from his freshman year. But I know you've seen him live as far as the game, and I've seen him work out. I think just the athleticism, the burst, the ability to create off the dribble, and I think that he's going to develop into a knockdown shooter. So I'm going to lean towards Wesley because I think that he has the tools and athleticism to be a, a really – really good three-level score in the NBA. Yeah, if, if you cho- if you asked me to choose, I would have taken Wesley as well, simply because I think he has the higher potential um, if he developed his jump shot and he, he's just got better traits. He's, he's faster than just about anyone other than Jaden Ivey in this class. So I, 
I think he can score in a different way. And, and Branham, like you said, he has to shoot the three. And that's, that's one of the, like, I, I made my big board and I started to, uh, writing a section called concerns rather than weaknesses. Yep. And when I, when I wrote concerns for Branham, I said, he needs to either abide by the NBA's analytics driven. Like he needs to shoot threes that are created for him, catch and shoot, which I think he can shoot at a really high level. Yep. Or he needs to find a team that is kind of like what the Suns did with Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Obviously he's, not Devin Booker and Chris Paul as a rookie or early in his career, but like they, he needs a team that supports that type of shoot uh, shot selection and shot chart. So I, I would lean towards Wesley, but I think those are the next, the next two for me. Yeah. In your opinion, why do you think Branham is so reluctant to shoot threes? He shot a very good percentage when he did shoot them. Just in your opinion, why do you think he's so reluctant? I, I wonder if it's that he thinks he can get a better shot, like because when he gets to a spot better than just about anyone in this class, he, he's very methodical. He takes two dribbles and he's there. And it doesn't matter if the guy guarding him is taller or shorter, he shoots over him with just as much efficiency. And I wonder if he just likes the rhythm of shooting off the dribble. Um, but but I've seen him catch and shoot, all, granted, like not the biggest quantity. And he shoots it well then too. The ball comes out of his hands very smoothly either way, but that's, that's my best guess. All right. Who's next on your list? I, I've got another shocker. I think I'm going to go with Bryce McGowan's go big red. I'm a Husker. I was born oh, yeah, and raised yeah. in Nebraska. So go big red. No, maybe, maybe you should break them down better than I can, but I, I'll give my reasons. I think one thing that is, uh, I, I think that making a great score, one trait that elevates a good score from a great score is getting to the free throw line. And no one does it better than Bryce McGowan's. Um, and you, maybe you can make an argument like statistically there's someone who does it better, but with the supporting cast that McGowan's had, the way he was able to get to the rim at will, even with his like very slender frame and still create contact and finish well, and then shoot 6.3 free throws a game um in college pace and a slow and a fairly slow paced team um i think that translates really well and i also think he's got like an nba movement to him the way he moves he glides through defenses like an nba player yeah i was you ready to, to say the same thing like the the big thing for me as far as mcgowan's that i like is his ability to get to the free throw line and i've heard from different trainers and scouts usually the last skill set to develop on the offensive end for someone that you think could be a primary scorer is the ability to get to the foul line knowing how to you know just get those easy buckets because there are going to be days where you're having an off night the jumper isn't falling but if you can get to the foul line you can rack up those points you can create scoring opportunities for your teammates because you can get the team in the bonus early which allows every time your teammates to get fouled and so it's so much value in someone that can generate fouls and put pressure on the rim and McGowan's does that I like him a lot and not just because he went to University of Nebraska he's what I call skinny tough <laughs> he's he's slim but he's not afraid of contact obviously six free throws a game in college is I don't know if the audience understands how ridiculous that is like you said the pace the Big Ten is a physical conference. If he's getting to the line six times a game, that means he's he's getting beat up and he still was continuing to attack. And you, you have to wonder how much better would he look with better teammates, better spacing, a 
a, a reduced role where he doesn't have to to do everything because it, it seemed like he just had to do everything for the Nebraska offense. So I agree with you 100%. I think he's starting to be a little bit underrated in this class. He is someone that I'm kind of, yeah, I'm just kind of shocked that people aren't really talking about him. And maybe, you know, part of it is on me. Maybe I'm not talking about him enough. I mean, sorry to my my Husker fans that I haven't been looking out for the guy enough, but I like him a lot. And I'm just a big fan of guys that can create their own shot and generate offense if the shot isn't falling. So I agree with you 100% there. Yeah, I, I, that's a guy that, that I watched him a couple times after the season, just in clips. And I was like, man, I don't know how I missed like this guy being talented. I saw the stat lines and I could see it like was apparent, but I didn't like initially think, wow, this guy could be one of the top six scores as I have him here until I watched more tape later. And I watched him against good Big Ten defenses, get to his spots at will, get to the free throw line a lot. And I, I think depending the fit, that guy could be a, an, a kind of a spark plug offensive player. Um, very early in his career. Yeah, he could end up being one of the sleepers on draft night. All it takes is one team to really like him, and he can go high. He could be maybe this year's Josh Primo. All right, before we go on to the last segment, I want to ask the audience if you remember the words, boom, shakalaka. And if you do, we have big news. That is because the one and the only NBA Jam is back. RK1UP is the leader in at-home retro arcade games. They're not only bringing back the best game ever, they've made it bigger than ever with the new Shaquille O'Neal edition machine. The Shaq edition machine is something I probably would have loved to have as a kid. And people are obsessed with NBA Jam. And I am thrilled to tell our listeners that you can once again play hoops with NBA legends in this arcade classic. You can jump clear across the court and set the ball on fire in one of the first sports games ever to feature real and digitized NBA licensed teams. There's no fouls, no free throws, and no quarters are required. Compete with friends and family through an all-new Wi-Fi leaderboard, making you more connected than ever. You can pre-order now from Arcade1Up.com. That is Arcade, the number one, up.com, and an estimated early September ship date. RK1UP is the place for fun. They've got even more classics like Golden Tee, Mortal Kombat, and many others starting at just $399. Now check this out. You may be excited to hear this. They are giving away NBA Jam Shack Edition to a locked on listener. So you, if you're listening to this, you are a locked on listener, you have a chance to win the NBA Jam Shack Edition Enter for a chance to win a game console for your man cave at arcade1up.com slash locked on. That is arcade, the number one, up.com slash locked on. You have until July 8th to enter to win the NBA Jam Shack Edition. Don't miss out. Enter today. Now the question is, Leaf, who are you going to play with? I don't know. I That's, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I'm a I'm a jazz guy, so I got I got to lean towards those guys, Malone and Stockton. Yeah, that's got to be the two. Um, I, I mean, I, I wasn't born that yet, but uh, but those are the two best. So I have a question for you. So far, we've named a few names, and I haven't heard Keegan Murray. Now, was he next on your list, or am I putting you on the hot seat here? I think he and Shaden Sharp were like kind of the the next two, uh, two guys that are top 10 in most people's boards yeah, um 
And, and I think Sharp, though, that's the, the, the issue for Sharp um, is, is that you don't know. It's just an unknown. As for Murray, you do know. And he scored about 25 points per game in, uh, in college basketball in the Big Ten per, uh, per 36 minutes. And I think his scoring is going to be different, just like I thought Jabari Smith's scoring would be different when we brought that up. I think he, will, he won't isolate, despite being a good isolation player analytically. I don't think he's going to isolate as often in the NBA. And I think the teams that would be selecting him have lead guards, like for instance, the Pistons, Cade Cunningham, for, for instance, the Blazers, should he fall to seven and they don't trade the pick. Um, they've got Damian Lillard. So I think the way he scores minimizes his, um, or, or the way he would score on those type of teams that I envision him going to would minimize his scoring output. But I do think he's got the skill to do so. And then Sharp, the reason I have him here and not higher, despite him being ranked higher than a guy like McGowan's, is because I just haven't seen it. And so I think it's, it's harder to project someone's scoring output without having seen him play college basketball. Yeah, I agree. The thing about Keegan Murray is, you know, like if you look at a lot of different scouting reports, they'll say one of his areas of concern is his ability to create his own shot. But he ranked as one of the top players in the nation in isolation scoring, which is one of those stats that, is is different from the eye test and because when he creates his own shot there's really not a lot of sexiness to it i mean it's not like he's hitting you with a crossover or any moves or step backs i mean it's just like a a straight line drive and he has the strength to finish and he's just very efficient with his moves it's, it's not like really creative but at the end of the day the numbers don't really lie so my question for you is, do you think he can be an effective isolation scorer in the NBA? Uh, in time, I think in time, I don't think immediately. I, I think, like you said, he, he relied a lot on strength and, um, and kind of being put in advantageous situations as he's quicker than most people that guard him. And then if they put someone smaller, uh, smaller, he overpowered them. And so I think I think in time he can become an, a good isolation scorer. I don't think initially he will. Whereas a lot of the guys we've spoken of, I think they can be pretty good isolation scorers right away because that's more of their like uh, built-in mo and skill set. Um, but but I I think he can score in in it like in his fourth or fifth year in the NBA. I think he can score 17 points a game. Um, and and that's I mean that's a pretty good output for a guy um, that you don't pick necessarily just for isolation scoring. You know, I think he can be effective early because I think that he has the size and the skill set to make teams pay for switching. So, like, if you are, you know, if they're playing a team that does a lot of switching and he has a guard on him, he has the mindset and the ability to use his size and strength to just kind of run through that guard. And I, I think he'll be fine. I don't think he's going to be someone that, you know, you, you're, you're dumping the ball to and clearing out. But I do think that if there is a switch and a mismatch, if, you know, whoever he goes to and, and their point guard recognize it, you can reset it and allow him to kind of take advantage of a guard in, in the mid post, maybe even the low post. And so I think he should be able to score. All right. Who is next on your list? I hate to be boring, but I'm going to go with some some guys projected in the top 10. I think I'll, I'll group them into one because I think the same re rationale. It, it's Benedict Matherin and A.J. Griffin. Uh, I think both of them are projected as 3 and D with just a bit more upside than a typical 3 and D pick. 
I think we've discussed this on air and, and I don't know what podcast, but if you guys want to search for it, we talked about how Benedict Matherin is a mid range game away from being more than a three and D and could project as a good score. I wrote a scouting report on him and I said, I think he's going to eclipse 18 points a game multiple times in his career. So I think it'd be remiss of me not to mention that him in this and AJ Griffin, I think is the best shooter in this class. And if, if you shoot in this modern NBA, you're going to score points. And if he's able to get some of that athleticism that I saw in high school, um, that he seemed to be sapped of at Duke, whether it was that knee injury early in the season, whether it was the high school injuries, I think he's got more individual creation than the, especially than what he showed in the role that he got pigeonholed into at Duke. Um, and so I think those two guys can both score 18 points a game plus in the NBA for a couple seasons and productivity speaks for itself. So those are, those are the next two. And I'm curious to hear your take on them. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the audience is probably wondering, like we're about 28 minutes or so into this podcast, maybe 29 minutes. And there's one major omission. I, I know who it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Why is he lower on, on your list today? I really hope it is Chet like I, like I was thinking. But um, Nope. Johnny Davis. Oh, it's not. Okay. No, uh, Johnny Davis. At least that's what I'm thinking. Johnny Davis, again, 19 points per game. He is probably one of the players where his, at least in my opinion, I think his draft position is totally based upon his ability to score. I do think that he does bring some value as a defender, but he is one of, at least in my opinion, one of the top scorers in this draft. So I'm curious to wonder why you don't have him so high on your list. Uh, see that I think that's the that's the difference in the way we think about him. Is is I see his biggest value as his um, athleticism that he can defend and that he could be like a secondary scorer. I think the role for him to be the best player he can be, the the role he has to embrace is a defense shoot open shots and then create when the better like the guys on the team that maybe one and two options um are are on the bench are on the bench or when he's running a unit and i see his role more of like a josh hart role where he defends rebounds and and shoots open threes i think he can be a better player than josh hart but i don't see his way of scoring necessarily translating as easily to the nba because he often sizes up smaller defender shoots over the top of them in the mid range. And I think there's only a couple players in the NBA and they're both all NBA guys like DeMar DeRozan's the first one that comes to mind. And then Kevin Durant, of course, can get to any spot and shoot over people. And I just don't see Johnny Davis's game, the way he scored in college translating. I think he can knock down some threes. I just don't see him eclipsing 16, 17 points. And I hope I'm wrong. I have him 15 on my board. So I'm a little lower on him, uh, mostly because I see the role he plays. Uh, in the NBA being different than what I think a lot of people are envisioning, but who knows? Yeah. It's funny because Richard and I did a episode on the most divisive prospects in this class. And we should have brought you in for a segment to talk about Johnny Davis, because it sounds like, you know, based off of where you rank him, which again, you're not wrong. Nobody's wrong at this point. It's still very early in the process, but based off of where you rank him and how you see him, is a lot different than the consensus, but it's also one of the reasons why I enjoy talking hoops with you because, you know, if, if you're a listener and you don't know Leaf, one thing about Leaf is he does not care about your consensus big board and your, you know, your, your follow the leader train of thought in a sense. He, he has his own opinions and he, he sticks to it. There's nothing like a, a guy that 
in, in this draft world that plants his flag and he sticks to it. And that's one of the things I really appreciate about Leaf. And I, I disagree with the Johnny Davis thing. I think that he is a scorer. Um, it, it will be, or I should say, I'm very curious to see how it does translate because I think that his game is definitely suited for the 90s style NBA where they ran a lot of isolation. You got guys in one-on-one situations at the elbow. You know, I've heard people say they have concerns about his athleticism and how he's going to create shots against long athletic defenders. I'm curious, but I, I think that he has a lot of value as a scorer. He can cut. I think that a creative coach will figure out how he likes to post up smaller guards and take advantage of, you know, maybe some weaker point guards. Um, I, I do believe that the the three point shooting will translate and cause he shot 38% on catch and shoot jumpers. So I'm, I'm high on Davis, but we'll see We're we're going to revisit this in about a year, maybe even sooner than that. And we'll see if he is more DeMar DeRozan or more Josh Hart. <laughs> so both are good players. Both, both are good are, players. Yeah. Both are good players. I mean, there's probably like a hundred million dollar difference in contracts, but <laughs> I mean, the outcome is good either way. Well, thank you so much for for coming on and talking about your top scores. And also thank you to the listeners for making the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. Now check out the Locked On NBA podcast. They have been covering the NBA playoffs since the first jump ball of the play-in tournament. And now, later on today, it could possibly be the last episode of the season well, not necessarily the last episode of the season because the Locked On NBA crew stays producing content year-round, but it could be the last game of the season. And if you think that the Celtics have a shot at winning, then, you know, we may have a couple more games. But check out the Locked On NBA podcast. They have analysis that are not only affecting the two teams left in the playoffs, but also that are affecting all 30 teams. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board, with my co-host, Leaf Tuline, a.k.a. The Grinder, the man that watches more college hoops than anybody else. And we are out.